Welcome to The O Show, your number one podcast for everything training, mindset, and nutrition. I am your host, Oren McCurry, and it is my goal to help you access the best information around to allow you to kick ass in the gym, in the kitchen, and most importantly, in your head. Between my own experiences and those of my amazing guests, I'm confident we will do that. So let's strap in and level up your life starting right now. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, guys, wherever you are in the world. Welcome to today's episode of The O Show. I am your host, as always, Oren McCarry, and I am here with somebody who I became very aware of in the past six months, and he's doing incredible stuff in the fitness industry and for business leaders in the aspect of your mindset, your mental performance. It's Mr. Kieran O'Neill from Total Mental Performance. How are you, Kieran? Yes, mate. Very, very good and excited to chat today. It's going to be good. Awesome, man. So give everyone a background. Obviously, I know who you are, but uh, if the listeners don't know who you are and they haven't seen me tag you or anything, who are you, man? So I'm Kieran. I'm the founder of Total Mental Performance. Total Mental Performance is the world's fastest growing mindset service dedicated to the fitness industry. So we're a team of mental performance coaches, both through our one-to-one evolution program, and then we also have a mindset academy, which is uh, all about doing masterclasses. But ultimately, what we do is really simple. We help fitness entrepreneurs, we help coaches understand what are the emotions, what are the limiting beliefs, what are the parts of their mindset that stops them from hitting peak performance. That's pretty much what we do. It's fun. Mate, that is such a, such a little nugget, but it's so valuable. Like what you just encapsulated into 30, 40 seconds, like you're dealing with people's mental performance, how they operate, how they feel on a day in, day out basis. So Give us a bit of background as to how you got into that first. Well, it started for me when I was a boxer. I was always fascinated by the mind. And boxing is just a psychological sport. Sure, you have opponents, but often it's you versus you. And it was in that is where I really first come across the power of the mind and working with, first of all, a performance coach who was actually from the tennis world. And he first got me thinking about mindset and mental performance and the tennis world is so much further ahead than the boxing world was at that time back then so i boxed for eight years managed to make the national team managed to you know be able to box in lots of different countries which was cool but ultimately i had this fear of failure and not being good enough and it drove a lot of my my career and a lot of the time i'd win but then be happy i'd always be looking for what was wrong and looking for the faults versus being happy with what i achieved and, and knowing there was other things I had to go and work on. So we just put a lot of pressure on myself. And after a period of time, it didn't end so well for me. Um, boxing is a weight-driven sport. So I'm 5'7", and I was boxing at 56 kilos. So all my opponents were really short. And I, I had this image and this identity of I was a giant at the weight. So that culminated in an eating disorder because my place on the England team was at 56, and a guy at 60 above me was he better than me? I, I think he was, but it was mindset that let me down. It was really like that fear of not being enough. If I was truly confident, I'd have just gone up to 60, taken my chances and, and really taken it to him. But that fear of failure said that I couldn't. So I was severely underweight for such a long period of time and I never really fully hit my potential. And I put that down to really mindset. So I ended up with an eating disorder, I ended up with depression, anxiety, and I tried to take my own life. Then I started working with a mental performance coach uh, and a therapist called Hazel Gale. And, you know, it's a young man 
I only wanted to work with a guy. And I wanted to work with a guy that boxed. I couldn't find any male therapists and I couldn't find any men that boxed. But Hazel was a former kickboxing world champion, a British boxing champion. So my ego at the time could go, yeah, I'll work with her. So she changed my life entirely. Uh, transitioned from that, um, that boxing period into software sales. And software sales is highly competitive. The market's always changing. You're not only competing with the external market competitors, but also internally with the other members of your team. And again, it's all mindset. The mindset of selling, the mindset of scaling businesses, scaling technology. It's all about what is it that makes people tick. I love that, you know, and that really helped me out. And I was, I was in London, selling into Europe, selling into New York, which was great. But then it got to the point where what I realized was all of it was driven by fear, insecurity, and self-doubt. And my boxing and my sales was an expression of me trying to prove my worth as a human. So I think men get generally get, get measured on a couple of things. One is how much money they make, and another one is physiologically, how strong are they? So I over-rotated and thought, well, I'm going to make as much cash as I can selling software, and I'm going to try and knock people out in boxing. That's the route that I went. But that wasn't the answer. And uh, I found once I'd conquered, I think sales is really good if you're skin and insecure, but once you conquer those two puzzles, it becomes pretty useless unless you really care about the product, which I didn't. So after that, I really enjoyed coaching my team more than I did actually selling. So then the penny was starting to drop. So I started retraining as a, as a therapist, a cognitive hypnotherapist, uh, an LP practitioner, uh, a number of other little qualifications. So I retrained as that. And you know, my, perform my background in performance environments like boxing, like software sales, is what enabled me to really apply therapy to a performance mindset. Because therapists are there for mental health. The difference between mental health and mental performance is Sure, mental health is one block of mental performance, but ultimately we're looking at things through a performance lens. How can we get more productive? How can we be more confident? How can we get more shit done? How can we have more positive outcomes? How can we get clear on who it is we want to be, where it is we want to go, and having that clarity? That's really the difference because my view is mental health and therapy is more defense. Mental performance is on the offense. It's right. Let's go. How can we get more shit done? How can we be more relaxed? How can we be more calm? So really, that's the sort of the journey that I've been on to, to get here. And, um, you know, we've helped, we coached over 150 coaches uh, in our first 18 months, which is incredible. Now we've got a team. We've got Dr. Kate Blackford, who's one of our senior coaches. We've got Dan and Brendan, some of our other uh, mental performance coaches. And, you know, we're, we're growing. Now we're scaling. Now we're having great fun while we're doing it. And I think really, we could just do what we do all day. We do it all day long and I could just coach one-to-one -one all day long and that's it so that's really how I got into it and that's really how we, we got there today you know yeah fantastic and it's clearly like you've been on a hell of a ride yourself so like even just the lessons if you if you didn't learn all these other things you could probably provide so much value without the NLP course and the therapy course just from your journey and those lessons that you kind of learned along the way and this is something I was probably going to come back to towards the end but you obviously have had all these lessons along the way through that sporting career the software career what would you say if I had to make you pick one was the biggest lesson out of that, that whole time where you were boxing competitively 
in that male driven, ego driven software sales, trying to be the top guy on the board? Like what was the biggest lesson you learned from that time? I think it's just data. So one of my mentors, I've been very lucky to have incredible mentors along the way. So I've been coached by, you know, England and Team GB boxing coaches. Uh, I was coached for my last fight by a guy called Mick Delaney, who coached uh, James DeGale and George Groves, uh, two world champion boxers. Um, and then in the business world as well, I, when I was in software sales, I, I got picked up by a guy called Ron Goddard, very, very sharp guy. He's a management consultant, some of the biggest technology companies in the world. And they passed, they, all they kept saying was, just enjoy it. Don't worry about it. Just enjoy it. Don't worry about it. I could never, what do you mean fucking mean? Just enjoy it. <laughs> what, 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 what are you talking about? It's like, this will pass it. Enjoy it. I don't know what you're on about. And then software sales is like sports insofar as everything's measured. So you'll be measured on how many outbound phone calls that you make. You'll be measured on how many meetings you have. You have to measure on how many opportunities you've got. And ultimately, the one to one number, same as a striker in a football team, how many goals did you score? How much money have you brought into the business? And you'd look at your numbers and you'd be like, why am I not performing? I'm doing the inputs or I'm doing this and it's not working. And uh, Ron would say to me, it's just data. It's just data. And then I took that a step further, more philosophically, which is everything is just data. It's not just numbers, but life is just data. Relationships is just data. Business is just data. So we can learn to disassociate our egos from what's happening in the outside world. And we can just accept it as data and feedback. That takes a lot of pressure off because it's not about me, my selfish needs and desires, although you do have needs that need to be met, so that's important. But it's not just about that. It's about everything's an experiment, everything's a game. And it's still danger. It's still danger, you know. It's not to say if you're running a growing scaling company, it's not to say there isn't danger, it 100% is. You're playing for people's livelihoods, you're not playing. But it is all data. When you treat everything like an experiment, it just takes pressure off you. You can go, yeah. okay, well, one of my, from a training perspective, one of my hypotheses is, can I get to, I used to box at 56 kilos. Uh, I'm now currently, I'm just hit a record on 70.2 kilos. I want to see if I can get to 73 kilos and try and get to 71, 72 kilos lean. Now that's going to take me a few years. It's going to take me some time to sort of get there. That's my current hypothesis. How can I do that? Yeah. And yeah. before, I'd be looking at my body, look at my body image and comparing to other people. And, you know, I coach some, some guys and girls that are some of the best physiques on the planet, bodybuilding world champions or, yeah. you know, like even just, just, just coaching their phenomenal shape. And it's easy to get caught up in comparison and insecurity and doubt and whatever. But when you remove ego and you're just data, think, all right, carry a bit more fat at the minute. Just you try and figure that out and play and tinker and toy. I'd say that was the biggest lesson I took from all of it. It's just data. Yeah, wow. And that's something that regardless of whether it's a coach listening to this, is, which is obviously who you work with, or it's just a normal person doing whatever they're doing in life, whatever they're struggling with, they take that attitude of it's just data. Then it's like, it's very, it's very easy to spin that, but there's potentially stress in the mind and becoming very negative into a positive. They've got this data coming and they now know what's working or not working or how things make them feel. And then they can, progress from there right and actually know the steps to move forward from that or at least reach out for steps once they address that yeah but your emotions won't let you realize it's just data your emotions are going to trip you up your insecurities your self-doubt is going to hijack the logical mind and say 
it's not just data. I feel like a loser. I don't feel good enough. I don't feel worthy. Yeah. I don't know if I can do this. So it's easy for me to sit here and say, oh, it's just data, relax, as they said to me many times. But you do have to do the deeper psychological work. However, that's with a therapist, with a mindset coach, to understand, well, why, where am I being emotionally hijacked? How is that impacting my decision-making? How is that impacting my productivity? And what can I actually do about it? Because otherwise, it doesn't matter. You can say it's just data or you want. The emotional response is going to be so strong. And the strong emotions make us stupid. They hijack us. They take over what it is that we're trying to achieve. So that's, these are serious considerations that you've got to really think about, you know? Yeah. And then do you have any tips for people? Like, say, for example, it is, for example, a coach. There's a lot of coaches who will listen to this. Um, through my Instagram or whatever, but also the general normal person who goes to a nine to five job, who's trying to climb that ladder and maybe they're getting caught up in the, that emotion of not feeling like they're worthy for that next step. And they're getting pulled back by these emotions rather than just seeing it as data, like you say, like, have you got any tips to, I know obviously working with a mindset coach would be the, the key thing, but for them to become more aware of what is holding them back? Like, have you got any key constructs or models that people could sort of work through? Yeah, journaling. So journal, what did I feel? What's the trigger? And what is it I believe about myself to be true in that moment? Because journaling just allows you to dump what's happening in your subconscious mind onto a page. Once you're aware, then you can start to go, oh, okay, well, this is what this is about. So think about, well, what is this feeling that's coming up? Is it fear? Is it doubt? Where do you experience that? In your head, in your stomach, in your chest? Is it a heavy feeling? Is it a light feeling? Get really clear on that feeling. And then ask yourself, when is it worse? When is this coming up? Because then you start to put boxes around this thing. It's not unconscious, it becomes conscious. And I do believe that once you're conscious of limiting beliefs and emotions, you can get so much more shit done. You can't get caught up in all of that. So I recommend that. Another thing as well is, particularly if you're in a nine to five job, is sometimes you can get caught up in, ah, oh, I want this promotion, or I want to be here, or this person's doing better, or whatever. But just focus on what your inputs are and just do them really fucking well. Like the top athletes in the world, they just do the basics again and again and again. They do it very well. Of course, there's talent. You can't deny that. Like, the, you know, there are going to be people that are more talented than you, and that's okay. But if you can be consistent, particularly as an employee, I will pick somebody that's consistent, that I can trust at say 70 out of 10 in terms of talent and somebody that's 90 out of 10 in terms of talent, but they're inconsistent and they're kind of medium to low on trust. Yeah. So if you can be that trustworthy, consistent person that's consistently getting the inputs done and understanding a deeper purpose for why am I doing these inputs? What is this about? Do I really want this promotion? Is this really the path I want? How does it tie into my personal life? That can allow you to be more consistent and get more shit done. Just focus on those inputs. So journaling and then focusing on the inputs is what I would say. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, and with with the journaling, because obviously a lot of people think of it as you know early furry and like it's like meditation, right? People kind of they're hesitant. They've got these walls up about it. But when you talk about journaling, do you just mean get an empty pen and pad out and just let everything loose on the page, or do you have a set structure for what what to think about then? I call it a brain dump. So just write whatever's on your mind for three or four pages. By the time you get to the end of the April pages, you'll be so fed up of what it was that was stressing you out. A bit more. <laughs> if you don't know where to start, try bullet points. So just bullet point. What is on my okay. mind? What am I finding hard? And it might be, ah, oh, what taxes to look at? 
I've got uh, I've got to run the kids tomorrow. I've got to make lunch. I've got to do shopping. I've got to do this. And then you just you bullet point everything as a start and keep doing bullet points until you've got nothing left. Then put little stars next to the actions and then write a list of actions and then prioritize the actions and then just shut the book and go, right, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to They're two really easy ways. But journaling is just like steps to the mind. It's just like exercising your mind, just like you would your body. Yeah. Mind is a muscle and you need to move it. You need to do stuff with it. And the mind is responsible for everything that we experience. Every single moment of our life, conscious or unconscious, it will come through the mind. So it makes sense to train it. It makes sense to invest in it. Otherwise, what's the point? Every single experience, because you, you invest in your physical health, invest in maybe some business coaching or whatever, but all of those experiences come through the mind. So it's all perception. The whole world could be crashing down outside and you go, Oh, sun's do rose. That's good. You know, or you're like, fucking hell, the markets are crashing, inflation is up. Oh my God, what about this? What about that? Yeah, but right now I've got breakfast and the sun's rising and I know what I've got to do today. I'm just going to do my bit, do what I can. Doesn't mean you won't worry, but if you can perceive the external world differently based on what your internal world is saying, you can just completely change the game. And that for me is where my highest value comes from, which is freedom. Freedom of thought. Or freedom of mind, freedom of emotion. That doesn't mean we don't experience negative emotions. It just means you surrender to them. You become comfortable feeling them. Still trying to numb out for Instagram or, or, or Netflix. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes you need a good, just a fat yeah. long scroll or like yeah. you know, an episode of Narcos. But yeah. it's learning to accept all emotions, all beliefs, and letting them in, letting them go. And when you start to do that, it starts to become really powerful. If you keep beating yourself up, you keep burning out, you keep getting stressed, you keep feeling insecure, you keep feeling overwhelmed, that's not conducive to you being the best person that you can be. That's not conducive yeah. to you being, reaching your potential. Yeah, 100%, man. Huge, huge. And one thing, I was going to transition to this, but you kind of led, led us there naturally, which is great. You talked about Instagram there and somehow we need that, you know, that scroll or that Netflix to watch some Narcos or Ozark or whatever it is. But you recently went on your seven-day detox from social media completely. Can we talk a little bit about that? Because obviously social media is an element that people get sucked into, whether it's productivity, whether it's comparison, like it can be quite a negative thing. So let's talk about what you did and why you did it to start with. Yeah, so I've always done digital detoxes. So when I was in software sales, um, the only time I would break that so I was doing a deal with uh, Mossbros, for example, and the e-commerce director there, we were doing a deal and I was finding out whether we'd won the deal or not on the week that we were on holiday. <laughs> so uh, I gave my contact my personal phone number and I said, well, look, I always love good news. So if it comes in, just let me know, call me on this number and then I will text the team and they'll get everything sorted. And that was the only time I ever broke it. And uh, he called me and said, like, hey, Kieran, good news. Uh, we're getting the contract done. And I was like partying in Amsterdam at that time. So I was like, result, woo-hoo, <laughs> this is great. This is wonderful. He goes, yeah, go out and have a round of drinks on me. I was like, fantastic, boom. It was amazing. Uh, that's the only time I really renegated on it, but I always used to do digital detoxes when I, was, when I was working because in today's world, we're having emails happening all the time. If you use Slack in your office, again, that, there's a little noise that Slack makes because, and that noise, kill me if you've got emails whatsapps slack all of that's coming in all of the time stressful 
it's not like the old days where you go to the factory, you do your factory work, you go home, and that's it. Even the office used to be, you go to the office, you do the paperwork, you do all that, you go home. Yeah. Now it's following us everywhere, and it's in our pockets all the time, and at any, any given moment, we can be hit with a message. So digital detox is really important to me, because I need to give my mind rest. And when you're dealing with the frequency of leading an internal team, as well as the clients that I work with, I need the space to just, I call it the pressure valve. Everybody's got a pressure valve in their head. It's really need to go. And a digital, a digital detox is a macro decompression moment. So a week, four days, three days. I try and do one every Saturday. Okay. So I've got two phones. Got my work phone, personal phone. My work phone has my work email, my work WhatsApp, my work Instagram, Facebook, all of that. My personal phone just got WhatsApp. That's it. And when I'm off, I switch my work phone off. There's no work inputs coming in from my personal phone. Only my friends, my family have my my work phone, my personal phone, which is on me all the time. And that even that physical boundary allows me to know when I'm working, when I'm resting, when I'm on, when I'm off, when I'm doing something, when I'm not doing something. It makes such a difference. So the digital detoxes are a way of me becoming more creative, more rested. I always come up with lots of ideas. I also have more clarity on who I am and where we're taking the business and where we're taking the coaching. But if I'm always on, I don't have that clarity, it's impossible. So I do one once a week on a Saturday. And usually, so I'm, I'm based in Dubai, so I try and spend a lot of time on the beach, even though it's like 42 degrees in a minute, I still like to condition myself to go, right, I'm still gonna put myself out in the sun today. Even if it is for like two hours, 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. or whatever. Um, but, you know, I like to go out and relax, be calm and explore. Even if it is just going to the gym and, and then at my own pace, not trying to rush it during the week. Just being, you know, that for me makes me happy versus anything else. Yeah, awesome, man. I think that's a great uh, concept of the the Saturday, even whether people have two phones or one phone, what it doesn't really matter. Like just having that time when they, they put the phone down and they turn it off and they leave it at home and they go out to play with the kids or go to the gym or whatever it is. And having that, and that's something I might actually try to, to get that in my weekends now as well, because that's I can imagine that's just very refreshing and um, valuable for restoring that energy, like you say. I mean, I work five and a half days a week. So I have a Wednesday afternoon off and I work Wednesday night. I don't work any mornings. And then uh, Saturdays is completely off. And then Sundays is a low expectation day. And by the time I get to Sunday, sorry, Sunday's a lot of low expectation day. By the time I get there, I'm so relaxed. and so ready to go back to work because I've rested. Yeah. I get loads yeah. done. I get loads yeah. done. Um, whereas before I was working seven days a week. I was working hard. And I kind of kept burning out. I kept struggling to focus and my creativity was dropping. Because only when I put those little moments to slow down and decompress, which is where I started getting more done, being more creative, making better decisions. I was just more consistent. Yeah, man. Awesome. And that that's the goal, right? And as a business owner and as a coach to coaches to bring their best, you've got to be on your best, right? So um, if you can do that, it sounds absolutely fantastic especially first is that seven days a week in that high pressure sales environment it must be a completely different feeling I, you never want to say it's easy but it does feel a lot easier so yeah. can you imagine um, walking into a room and then on the wall is a list of every single salesperson selling the same products as you and then you can see exactly how much they've all sold how much wow. they which deals have came in which ones haven't 
And on top of that, sometimes they put up activity stats. So you can see who's made the most phone calls, you can see who's got the most opportunities, you can see who's doing the most meetings. So it's a highly competitive environment. And then on top yeah. of that, some people will actively screw you over to take deals to try and beat you. Uh, wow. It's just, just, you know, that pressure walking into that. And then sometimes some, some sales environments are working wasn't like that. But it was more like the company's riding on you and closing these deals, otherwise you're in serious trouble. So it's almost like you feel like you're there. The tribesmen going out to try and get a cow or try and bring back, like, you know, a gazelle yeah. for, the, for the tribe to eat. Because if it doesn't, we're in trouble, we'll go bust, you know? Yeah. So there's yeah. a lot of pressure. Um, whereas I set the targets now and I always make sure I set targets that are sustainable and consistent. I'm not interested in scaling to seven or eight figures just for the sake of doing it as quickly as I can for my ego because I don't feel enough. I want to build something that's sustainable. I want to build something that's meaningful. And I want every single coaching experience for all of our clients to be highly potent. So the difference between that environment and what I'm experiencing now is very, very different. And same with boxing as well. Boxing's, you know, you've got a, dead, a date, which is your fight on this date. You've got this tournament on this date. Your championships in April. Yeah. So again, a high pressure. And there might be people competing for your spot. And... So you're not only against opponents, but you're competing with people in your gym as well. So for me, I've kind of created a really safe environment where, you know, anybody in my team can say to Kieran, I actually think you should do things this way. And I'm like, yeah, tell me more. Or we hold up a mirror to each other's behaviors. We support each other. We're all qualified therapists and big performance coaches. So we coach each other, we help each other. We have that internal environment. I've worked in environments where it feels safe and that wasn't conducive to consistent performance. Everybody burnt out. So that's kind of how I've transitioned out of that in this environment here that I feel now. I love it. I absolutely love it. I think I find it really hard to go back to that old world. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. Can imagine. I mean, final question, because I know we're we're tight on time today. You're busy with one-to-one calls. Obviously, the business is called Total Mental Performance. I'm going to ask you this question because you ask it to your guests on your podcast, everything. But take the business out of it and the brand of Total Mental Performance. What does that phrase, Total Mental Performance, mean to you, Kieran? The ability to experience joy daily, the ability to achieve one's potential, and the ability to accept one's suffering and one's joys and surrender to that versus beating oneself up for it. But this is constantly changing. This is constantly evolving. As I'm learning, as I'm growing, as I'm, as I'm evolving, you know, our philosophy, and as I, look, I see businesses as an organism, and coaching services as an organism, it's always evolving. But I would say that's what total mental performance today means to all of us in TMP. Amazing. Amazing. Great answer, mate. Great answer. Mate, obviously, I'm very conscious of your time. I'm ve- I know you're a very busy man, and I'm grateful that I got half an hour of your time today. Um, mate, so can you just shout out your Instagram for people who are interested, whether they're coaches or normal people who are like, this guy's got a bit of something about him. Let's go give him a follow. Yeah, for sure. Check out uh, at Total Mental Performance. Uh, that's our Instagram. So you can find us on there. We're constantly posting stuff every day around mindset, mental performance, emotional management, performance. And then we also have a podcast, which is just Total Mental Performance. If you put that in Apple, Spotify, you'll find it there. And that's us. Perfect, mate. And what I'll do is if people don't like to search, I'll put the link, clickable link in the description so people can click on that and they can find you straight away. But Kieran, thank you so much for your time, mate. Like I said, 
past six months, I've been introduced to you through two of my coaches, Joe and Neil, and they both spoke so highly. And I've seen what you've done in the, their groups. And I was like, you know what? This guy has so much to bring on a podcast. And I'm just so glad that I could get 30 minutes of your time today, mate. Um, my pleasure, mate. It's an honor. Thank you. Perfect, mate. Thank you, mate. I will speak to you soon. Thanks for joining me on today's episode of The O Show. If you know somebody who needs to hear this episode today, please share this with them via message or on social media. Don't forget to also take a screenshot and share it on your story and tag me at Oren McCarry so we can continue to grow the podcast and help more people change their lives with the advice given here. Also keep the five-star reviews coming over on iTunes as that helps people who normally wouldn't listen to the show find it and get The O Show in their ears and drive the podcast forward to help more people around the world with the advice here. Have a great day and I will speak to you soon.